Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode for the 2023 season of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again for this uh, for this football season, Mike Lockman, former coach, uh, you know, among a couple of different places in New Hampshire, but uh, head coach at Sauhegan most recently. Now coaching. What did you tell me th- before we started this? That this is your how many years coaching? This is my 30th year, and I, I can't believe how old that makes me feel to say that. Like, I, I don't feel old until I start saying, oh, my God, this is the 30th year that I've stepped foot on a football field at some level to coach. Um, and, and you're coaching uh, you're coaching your little guys still. Yeah, my sons are, are um, 11 and 9, and so I'm coaching youth football this year. Yeah, I have, right. I have for the last couple of years. It's one of, the, one of the reasons why I stepped down from high school was because they were getting old enough to – to do that kind of thing and it was like hey you know you only get to do this once all right well we will be here for you uh throughout the 2023 season talking about high school football you can of course send us uh any questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter facebook instagram and youtube at at nhhs sports and you can listen to the show every tuesday morning throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com or uh, I think we, we finally we set this up at the end of last year. Uh, you can go back and listen to us on Spotify and Odyssey, not just week to week, but you can go all the way back and listen to shows from the very first season we were doing this back in 2016, uh, which is uh, a scary thought that um, I, 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 I mean, sure, you can go ahead and do that, but I don't know if I'd recommend it because we certainly weren't uh nearly as polished as we are now <laughs> and we're not that polished now <laughs> so <laughs> that is true uh but yeah so but you can listen to both those there we'll be uh we'll be here for you every tuesday morning for the most part there might be a couple changes here and there throughout the season uh and of course we are once again looking for sponsors for the podcast for this fall uh, although we love what we do at nh-highschoolsports.com we can't pay the bills with pats on the backs and attaboys so if you're a fan of the show, you know someone who would like to promote their business on the podcast, or maybe you have a business of your own you'd like to uh, sponsor the show with, please get in touch by sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Uh, all right, Mike, uh, you ready to get started? I absolutely am. Okay, yeah, good. I've been, been ready for months. It feels like, you know, like, finally, right, we're here. <laughs> uh, as soon as summer hits, right, like kind of baseball is over, you know, spring and stuff, it's like starts to feel like football. So, yeah. When we get into August, yeah, that's when it definitely starts. I start to get that that uh, itch to get going. Uh, but yep. uh, before we get into the actual football talk, I want to take a moment to, uh, to mention a, a couple of coaches who uh, unfortunately are no longer uh, with us uh, over the last year. Um, that would be... Uh, Bill Monson, who was the uh, an assistant coach at Nashua South for for years and years, also the boys lacrosse coach there, and uh, Rich Bergskog, who uh, coached a, a couple different places. Uh, I think a few places with yourself uh, was the head coach at Hollis Brookline for a year, and uh, and had more recently been an assistant coach up at Franklin. Uh, sadly, also uh, passed away earlier this year. Um, I know, actually, you told you said before we started, you you coached with both uh, Coach Monson and Coach Bergskog. Uh, over the years and just just shocking news uh, about both of them yeah it really was because they were both you know they were both really similar guys they were both young energetic i think really well loved coaches by their 
by their players, right? I, I didn't coach with Bill Munson as much because we weren't on the same staff together, but we did we did some camps together in the preseason. Sure. Yeah. You know, he and I both coached the same position together um, for years, right? We would do the same camp together, and he and I would do the running backs and kind of the slot receivers on offense at the camp. And we had so much fun. His style was a little different than mine. Um, and, and we both knew it, you know, so it was a lot, it was a lot of fun because it would be like, okay, we're going to be doing this kind of drill. Bill, why don't you take the reins on this? Right. Cause you're a little bit more <laughs> uh-huh. that way. And then, you know, we'd be teaching something else and you'd say, yeah, Lockman, why don't you do this? Because that, you know, you're, this is a little bit more suited to your style. So I always enjoyed Bill. I was really, um, I was really bummed obviously as, as I think many people across Southern New Hampshire were to hear that news. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to be really down about it. Like I, I think, I think Bill was an awesome, energetic guy and um, he left his mark, you know, in a short amount of time, he had so much more he could have done. And that's the sad part. But uh, he was an awesome guy that left his mark on a lot of people that went through that national South program. Absolutely. Yeah. Not a, I mean, not that there's ever a great time, but, but, you know, he, uh, you know, had a heart attack on Thanksgiving this past year and, and, and hung on for a little while, but ended up, uh, passing away december 13th uh so terrible really the the to do that around have that happen around the holidays is i don't know much worse time but it, you know i i went to they had a uh like a celebration of life at nashua south um in late december and had the opportunity to go over to that and it was i mean just remarkable i mean the gym was was absolutely packed bleachers that they'd pulled all they never pulled the bleachers all the way out there because they're they're too big for the gym um those were full um so many people from his life you know telling stories about him and you could just you could see how many people he he touched uh over there at nashua south and left a really big hole and i think in that community not just in the sports world but but you know in the school um so very yeah. uh, very sad to you know to have that happen um you know and then and then rich um this past march um you know, I like I said you you knew him better than I did. Um, I just had the one, uh, got to know him that one year that he was at Hollis Brookline. Um, but but kind of a similar situation, right? Just kind of out of nowhere, um, late last March. Yeah, my understanding was it was very sudden. Sudden, it was you know I don't want to speak out of school here, but it was sort of a, a seizure, um, and 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 unfortunately it was uh, serious enough where he didn't survive. But. Um, yeah, I knew Rich very well. Rich and I were on the same coaching staff at Hollis Brookline. I think it was 08 through 2012. We were both assistants on that staff. Um, and and that was that was a very close staff. Of all the staffs I've ever coached on through the years, that was probably the tightest staff that I ever coached with. We we all got along great. We all hung out together, you know, outside of football. Um, we had a lot of good times and good memories. And very similar to to Bill. Rich, I would say, was probably the most popular coach on that staff, meaning he had he had the the best relationships with the kids. Right. right. The, the the players all really loved Coach Bergskog. They all really looked up to him. Um, he was a great coach, too. Um, and, and so, again, I, I think there were a lot of heartbroken now adults, but but then players, kids who had gone through that program and, and had been influenced and, and touched by coach Bergskog through the years um, that were very sad. I was able to attend his wake and it was packed, um, you know, alumni people that he had taught with through the years, right. Cause he had gone into teaching um, 
and it was it was sad but it was really nice seeing so many people um that he had touched in the community come out and support his family you know he had a obviously a family that um is left in the wake of this but uh but yeah i'll miss rich a lot we kept in touch at, even after a little bit he had he had left hollis and we had kind of gone separate ways he had called me a few times uh he was the dc up at franklin and so he had called yeah. me and said hey you know i want to talk to you about defense a little bit and what we were doing at hollis you know so we spent a couple hours on the phone here and there um yeah i'm, I'm gonna miss rich he was he was a he was a special guy yeah the last i ran into him up there just by chance um you know a couple of years ago i, I went up to franklin to do a a story on on one of their players uh, i want to say it was in 2019 and i the player's name is escaping my mind right now but i went out you know i talked to to them and and went out onto the the field practice field to get pictures from practice and and next thing I know, I hear, oh, hey, Joe, what's up? And I turned around and Rich is standing. I was like, what are you doing here? Uh, he's like, oh, I coach here now. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, kind of a, su- a surprise to see him and, and a nice kind of, uh, you know, moment to kind of chat a, l- a little bit about, you know, things from the past and and uh, glad to see that he was still involved at that point, you know, in, in coaching. So, yeah, just yeah. T- two huge losses to the, the coaching community here in New Hampshire and, and – uh, yeah, it's uh, it just just rough whenever you see it happen, regardless of, you know, who it is and the age and all that stuff. Yeah, I agree. It, it it's like you said. You used the phrase earlier. It leaves a big hole. Um, it does, right? Again, those are those are both the type of coaches that really had great relationships with the players. I think, and the players really loved them. You know, they thought that you know they always were wisecracking type coaches and loving the kids up and stuff. So it does leave a hole, but um, again, right. What I try to kind of battle with the the grief or the sorrow a little bit is to say, yeah, but you know what? Those guys touch so many lives in a positive way. You know, some people go their whole lives without being able to do that. Um, and that's kind of what, what helps me feel a little better about it is that I know that they left a lot, a lot of kids uh, better than they found them sort of thing. So right. I'm very grateful that we did have them while we did. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess, um, move into, uh, uh, try to transition here into, uh, to some things that are, are going to be coming up, uh, later this year, not just in the podcast, but, but on the site, um, you know, like I said, we're, you know, first episode of the new year. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're been hard at work behind the scenes, trying to get some stuff ready for this season. Um, you know, the, I guess the biggest things really, really for the podcast, I, I, we're going to, we're going to probably keep things, you know, I would imagine the way they've been, we're, we're bringing back the player and team of the week, uh, awards that we did, we started doing last year. Um, maybe play those up on the website a little bit more week to week. Uh, maybe even find a sponsor for them. Hint, hint. Uh, you know, if, uh, if we can do that, um, cause I think, I don't know, I, I really, I thought that was kind of a nice way to, um, to kind of get into some of the discussions that we had, you know, that were more based on a performance uh, by a player or a team. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed doing that last year. You know, we, uh, you know, and a lot of times too, I think we, you know, there, there's weeks where we would pick sort of an obvious type of pick, right? Like a, a back or a receiver sure, or like yeah. a DB who had, you know, a, a fumble recovery and two picks or something. But there were other times where we, you know, we found more of like a dirt dog or a, an offensive lineman or somebody that you could kind of, and, and it wasn't just, we weren't trying to check boxes. I mean, they were legitimately at the times, I think who we thought had influenced the games the most. Um, 
it's fun. It's it's fun doing the research, trying to figure out who might be the right person to pick that week. And uh, sure. I, I hope the audience enjoyed it too. And I'm looking forward to and, doing it again. And I, yeah, the only parameters we put on ourselves was that we wouldn't pick anyone twice. Right. Yeah. Right. And that does get hard, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that part gets hard, you know, cause yeah. there were a couple of performances last year where it was like, man, you know, the kid from Concord had, 235 yards again this week well yeah we picked you picked him last week mike remember i'm like oh yeah that's right <laughs> um so out, outside of the podcast uh a few things that will be uh changing on the site um i'm i'm ha- kind of uh happy to announce that there will be a little bit the, or the plan is to have some more game coverage not just a football but but field hockey and maybe even some other sports as well i'm in the process of, of picking up a couple of uh of writers uh, get a little bit of help here uh, for the first time, really, since before, uh, you know, the pandemic. So uh, pretty excited about that, about having a little bit ex- more expansive, you know, Friday night football coverage. Uh, we, we will have a return of the pigskin profits after yours truly had a massive brain fart last year. Uh, completely forgot it. We, we were going to keep doing them last year, and I completely forgot about it until I think the the afternoon of week one when I texted you, Mike, and I said, Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I that's. I guess we're not doing that this year. We both forgot. And now, remind me now. The last time we did it was two years ago. And who won that year? Uh, I'm guessing you did, since you're bringing it up. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> I do. I think it might have been. Now that you mention it, yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. Probably. It probably well, I know it wasn't me. Um, and then uh, we've got one really big announcement coming up on Thursday. Uh, I don't want to. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. There is an announcement coming Thursday that you're not going to want to miss on the website. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, you might be able to figure out what that is just based on the timing of uh, of when we're announcing this, uh, or maybe even a, a social media post that I put out there uh, over the weekend. Uh, that's all if I'm going to say. That's that's it. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil oh, it. That, but I'm that, gonna, thanks. If it's if it's the announcement I think you're gonna ma- be making, then I'm pretty excited about it too. There's a little bit of personal interest in it for me as well, and Excellent. so I'm uh, I'm I'm very very much looking forward to it. You know, I am too. I think it's uh, you know it, it's gonna be a, a fun thing to have uh, going forward this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out on that uh, on Thursday. Um, well, so for the rest of the show, uh, for this week, uh, we decided we're going to get through, we're going to do our division one football preview right now. Um, you know, go through the, the 21 team division, you know, give a little quick rundown of each team, you know, what we like about, you know, what we're excited to see, maybe who some teams, you know, lost, uh, but we're going to start, I wanted to start with our thoughts on, of course, now this is the second year of that 21-team division with 13 teams making the playoffs. Uh, if you remember the format last year, you had three conferences, West, Central, and East. The winner of each conference uh, received a bye into the quarterfinals of the playoffs. So you had the rest of the, the other 10 teams playing in that preliminary round. It extended the season a week. Championship game is once again scheduled for after Thanksgiving, Saturday after Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully we luck out and have, uh, the kind of weather that we did last year. Last year was a gorgeous day uh, yeah. for football for, for late November. Um, so I'm going to sit here and say, you know, as if, remembering that, that there are now 13 teams that make the playoffs 
and that last year the 10 seed uh, Bedford went on a run, won, you know, won the championship, um, basically shut everybody out except for the first half, actually really the second quarter of that championship game against Londonderry. They gave up 14 points the entire playoffs, and right. all of them came in one quarter. Uh, just insane um, to think that. So every time I, I start looking at a team now in this preseason and I think, well, you know, this team looks good, but what are they going to do here? And it's like, wait a minute. There's a pretty good shot that they're going to get into the playoffs, and then who knows? Uh, so I really, I you know, of course you go into this year looking at Bedford and saying that they're the favorite, but I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't bet on that at this point. No, you know, it's funny when you when we were talking last year at this time about the the format, the changed format, and the and the and the thirteen teams and the realigning and all that stuff. I, I don't remember whether we outright kind of questioned it and trashed it because that's not usually our style. <laughs> but 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 I th- I remember thinking like that's not, at least really... at least not on the air. No, yeah, right, yeah, maybe before and after <laughs> we we are on the air. But like I remember thinking to myself like that's really bizarre. Like what are they doing? Right. And honestly, it, it played out really well. I thought anyway, like I, I thought that it made the postseason um, a lot more diverse and kind of exciting. Like you said, right, the story of, of the 10 seed taking the ring. That's exactly what we've been talking about for years that you don't see a lot of. Right. It's sort of like, hey, you know, the, the top team that everybody sort of anoints by, you know, the third game of the season. And, and it's kind of clear that they're going to run, and unless somebody upsets them, and, and that's not what happened this time around. Right. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I also think looking at the conferences, you know, I haven't I hadn't looked at the conferences for a while. You sent me over the information to refresh my memory. I mean, there isn't a weak conference. No, there's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing even re- approaching a weak conference, right? You might take a look at one conference or another and say, yeah, they're a little bit stronger. But I, I don't look at any of these three conferences in Division One and say, "Oh yeah, no, that they're going to be down this year." Right? right. It's right. it's really pretty well balanced. I, I will say, I think last year we went into it with a an open mind. Uh, I think we we were. Our, I, I don't know. I'm just. I'm. I'm. This is what I think. We said was just kind of look at it and say, "Well, let's see how it plays out." Yeah. You know, and 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 it played out. I think as as well as it possibly could. Uh, you know, that you had a, a fairly competitive playoff throughout. Um, yeah, there were some blowouts, uh, but there were also some upsets, uh, quite a few upsets, um, especially, with again, with Bedford being the 10 seed. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't just that. It's You had two of the three teams that received that first-round bye lost their first playoff game. Um, and, and Londonderry, you know, had to really gut out a win over Merrimack in that other, yes. other game. So And then... You know the the fourth quarter final between Pinkerton and BG came down to the wire as well. So you had you had four quarterfinal games that were, uh, I mean, you could look at all three of them and say they were the game of the year, outside of the championship game, which, you know, was was maybe the game of the decade. You know, coming down to a to a, a last minute field goal uh, that you know for Bedford. Uh, yeah. So I I think yeah I think what our our view of this last year was let's see how it plays out. You know, and, and I guess I'm going to kind of enter it. You know, it, it worked last year. Does that mean it's going to work every year? No. Um, does that mean it needs to be scrapped after this year if it doesn't work? I really hope not because yeah, we need yeah. some consistency. Like, we can't keep changing this thing every two years. Uh, so I, hopefully this I totally lasts for a agree. little bit. Yeah, I totally agree, right? I mean, because that's the other thing is, like, 
it's easy to criticize a format after the season if it just didn't work. But a lot of times it, it, it's not the format that didn't work. It's it's just the fact that maybe there was disparity between some of the teams that got matched up and things. Right. So, you know, again, I think I think it's good to stay with a format for long enough to get enough data on whether it works or not. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like that they've experimented with things over the past decade, but I would like to see them kind of stick to something for a little while just just to create like i said just create a little bit more of a data set to say okay we've looked at this for four years now you know if it was one good year meaning you know good quote unquote like last year for example and three bad ones all right well maybe maybe that's reason for looking at a change but if it's two and two or three and one on the plus side hey why not maybe you roll with it you just keep rolling with it yeah right um you know, and and to be, I guess to be fair, they they've kept they had kept Division One pretty much the same. It's it's been lower divisions that have had some more changes over that that decade that you were referencing. Um, yeah, this was really the, I mean, by far the biggest change to Division One football in the last ten years. Um, right, and, and it was a, yeah a major change. But yeah, I, I let's hopefully it 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 sticks around for at least one more cycle um, after this year. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's get into uh, into the teams. Um, I think let's uh, since they're the defending champs, we'll start with in the West Conference with Bedford. Uh, run down the the teams in the West Conference and and you know what they've kind of some of the pieces they've got returning or maybe what they lost. I mean Bedford, um, you know, like I said, they they get that last second field goal from Colby Snow to win fifteen fourteen over Londonderry in the final. Uh, Snow, one of the uh, only a handful of seniors that that graduated from that team, um, you know Bedford coming back with a, a lot of returners, some key guys up front, and you know like Jake Ben, Spencer Henrichon, Kevin Sheridan on both sides of the ball. Those those were really key guys up front for them. And then of course you got Danny Black returning at quarterback, uh, which is a huge, um, you know, huge advantage for for the Bulldogs to have, you know, a guy who who has an experience of a year's experience of starting under his belt. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of times, you you know, when I, when I think about returning players and what's most meaningful, I mean, obviously anytime you get returning players back at any position on either side of the ball, it's meaningful, but what's most meaningful, obviously quarterback is very important, right? That experience, uh, the, 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 the knowledge, the confidence and stuff from going through a season, winning a championship, especially in this case with Bedford, right? You can't, you can't backfill that simply key players on the offensive line. That's probably what I would say would be number two. Um, and, and I'm a defense. I, I love defense, but offensive line is so critical to the success of a team. Um, and, and to have key players in those spots coming back, plus at, at other skill position areas on offense and, and uh, a lot of guys on defense coming back. It's, that's a good, that's a good mix. You know, the, I think the question for Bedford will be, and you, you wrote a little bit to this in the article that you put on the site about, um, you know, the difference between being the underdog and now being the hunted. Right. Uh, I think that will be, that'll be question one for Bedford. And I think question two will kind of be, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a difference between, did you peak at the right time? versus can you maintain that level now right so it's a little bit of a different spin on what you would put about the hunted versus the hunter 
you know, that, that this is sort of like, hey, you know, they hit their stride really well at exactly the right time last year. Right. Um, you know, how, how does that work for them this year? Right. So but on paper, man, they got pieces. They got a lot of pieces. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of, you know, if you look at the way it played, it's played out the last couple of years. You know, Bedford is in a very similar spot that Londonderry was in a year ago. You know, yes. Londonderry was coming off a championship that it won maybe a year earlier than they expected. And there was a lot of pressure on the, on the Lancers, I think, last year um, to, to, you know, get it done again. And they almost did. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I would assume that Bedford's going to feel a lot of that pressure as well. It's that's an, a big thing. It's not only how do they play, but how do they handle, you know, any of that? Yeah. How do you respond to it? Right. The pressure is going to be there. There's nothing nothing can change that. It, it simply is. And I don't think they w- would want to change it. Right. <laughs> you don't want to turn in your ring um, to, to have some of the pressure relieved. So now the question is, how does how does their how does their leadership, right, their seniors um, and, and the players that everybody looks up to, like, how do they, how do they set the tone? Right. Uh, and that, that's usually what the key is in those situations, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, so they'll be, they'll be really interesting to see. So the team that, uh, if you'll remember the, uh, the team that won the conference last year, uh, it was Nashua North who, um, you know, first year head coach, Chad Zabolas led them to, uh, you know, first year head coach, but, but I mean, he has been with that program for, uh, a very long time, so uh, not a stranger to the, the Titans' sidelines. Um, but, you know, he was able to get that group to a, an undefeated regular season, uh, the number two seed in the playoffs, um, you know, and they looked like they were they were rolling uh, until some injuries um, actually in that quarterfinal game against Bedford uh, really put them behind, and uh, they end up losing that game 7 nothing. but you know, a, a tremendous performance last year overall. Um, and unfortunately, a, a lot of those guys uh, that they had on the roster were seniors a year ago. Yeah. So uh, it's not, you know, you, from the outside, you may look at it and say, wow, they're going to really struggle. But from talking to, to Coach Zavolis and some of their players, you know, it, they really feel like the, 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 they may not have any of those star players left, but the guys that are coming in are guys that are going to be able to, you know, may, maybe very workmanlike uh, keep the Titans, you know, in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny that you say what you said, because that was kind of what I was thinking along those lines, which is, you know, the, you, you can't you can't make up for losing star players. Um, but and it's a big but there's another thing about momentum and um, you know, sort of, sort of a, having a revenge tour plan. Right. I mean, they were, they were a touchdown away from, from moving on against the team that eventually won the, the championship. Right. And they, like you said, defeated regular season. So they built up a ton of momentum. They, they, you know, even if they graduated a lot of those really good players, there's a bunch of core people left behind there that saw what it took to win on a daily basis. And so, you know, culturally, if your younger players, your juniors and sophomores that are looking up to those guys or, or maybe played alongside with those guys on, on offense, defense, special teams, right? If, if they saw what it took in terms of dedication at practice and focus and, you know, resilience and all those kind of things. And they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Cause you're saying, Hey man, we were, we were a touchdown away from, on, you know, 
continuing on our undefeated streak last year and would have dethroned the team that eventually won and won it, gone and won it. You know, I mean, that can be a big motivator. So, sure. yeah, so I, I think I think uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, they, they do have a lot of shoes to fill uh, on both sides of the ball. But again, it just depends on how hard did those guys work in the offseason? How how much did they learn from what went well last year? Some guys that they do have back with with some varsity experience, uh, John Barry Jr. Um, you know got some time at receiver and, and defensive back last year. Uh, Darius Smith uh, on the offensive defensive line. Uh, Luke Peters, um, who's the the younger brother of, of Jack Peters, who was going on to play uh, lacrosse at UMass Amherst this year. Um, he also uh, was out there uh, quite a bit for the for the varsity last year. Uh, but outside of that, you know, they got a couple other guys, uh, seniors who are stepping in. Uh, Steven Rosario, uh, you know, did see the field at times last year, but not in a, a regular role. Um, you know, he's a, a running back linebacker for them. Jonathan Torres, another senior, um, you know, outside guy. And then Melvin Fernandez uh, on the line as well, another senior. Um, so, I mean, like I said, they've got seniors coming back. They've got some some older players. It's just they're not guys with a ton of a ton of experience. So that how long does it take, you know, for them to get up to speed or, or, or adjust to maybe situations they're not used to seeing? Right. Right. Well, another team that's kind of in that spot is the team that was uh, right behind North in the standings last year is uh, Bishop Girton. Um, you know, they, uh, as you said earlier, uh, lost in the quarterfinals to Pinkerton, um, you know, had a, where they were, Close two, one. yeah, two point conversion away in the final minutes um to tie that game ended up losing 14 to 12 uh and they lost um you know if, if north lost a ton um you know bg lost the I, I would say even more i mean they they were very senior heavy last year um especially up front i believe their whole uh both lines all seniors um they had injuries throughout the year last year so there were some younger guys that got some some time um you know, they, they've got uh, a new quarterback stepping in and Mike McDonough, who, you know, will be a senior, um, a much different quarterback than, than Matt Sanaswaso was. Uh, Sanaswaso was a little, much more of a runner uh, who could throw the ball. McDonough is a, a passer who can run uh, right. uh, when needed to. And, you know, and he got a lot of playing time two years ago uh, as a sophomore. They like to put him in there um, a little bit more and, and try to throw the ball. Uh, and he does have some some playmakers out there. Uh, Cody Szymanski returns at receiver. Uh, Ethan Chimalecki, uh running back. Uh, but I guess the the big question is is do they have enough guys up front to you know to give those guys time to make plays? Yeah, I you know you know Bishop Curtin's roster really well given the time that you you've been able to spend with them. Um, you I, know, I knew, I knew it really well this year. I don't know it all that well. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I meant, right? Like, yeah, you, kind of, sure, yeah. you understand what they've turned versus what they're they've got coming back. You know, what I noticed about BG over the last couple of years, though, is it, it, it seemed like it, it seemed like a lot of the athletic talent at the school wasn't necessarily going and playing football anymore, right? You sure. had a lot, you know, obviously the 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 lacrosse team. Let me try that again. Is <laughs> is uh, is is really good, and I think there were guys that were maybe specializing a little bit. Um, based on what I had heard just in different circles. But it seems like that's changed a little bit at BG and that there's a lot more multi-sport stuff going on the last couple of years and football's benefited from that. So hopefully that continues, right? Because if a lot of those guys that are in the school are playing different sports and 
football is one of them and they're, you know, they're, they just happen to be a good athlete, but they're playing football this year. Um, BG will, will probably be able to reload pretty well, I would say, because there's, there's some really, really good athletes in that building. Yeah, it's it's a you know that change I think you're alluding to is is it they may have always had multi-sport guys, but in the past they were multi-sport guys who were football guys first and then played other sports. Right. Whereas now I think they play other sports and then they also play football. Uh, right. A lot of them, not all of them, um, but a lot of them. And and yeah, that's got, a good distinction. Yeah. Yep. Got to mention too, um, new head coach for the Cardinals is Anthony Nalen takes over uh, in his first year. Um, you know, a, a guy who's coached a lot more uh, in Massachusetts uh, than New Hampshire. I think he spent a year or two at, at Epping Newmarket um, a few years ago, but uh, has coached uh, for quite some time. So bringing some experience. I'm not I'm not even sure exactly what uh, what they're going to look like. Uh, have not had a chance to really uh, hear much from their camp um, so far this year. So and then they they get right into it to start the year opening the season at Bedford uh week 1. Oh, that'll be a good game. <laughs> it's yeah. certainly an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you had one more playoff team uh come out of the West Conference last year. Uh that was Merrimack who I'll tell you um you know throughout the first let's say 8 weeks of the season I really didn't know what to to think of Merrimack. Um you know, I saw them a couple times but in those games they were you know, having a rough night against BG and North, uh, you know, they were able to get a, to win enough games to get in to playoff position. And then that final regular season game against Bedford, they came out and put the hammer down. Uh, you know, Romello Hyde had one of the craziest stat lines I think I've ever seen. I don't remember uh, what his yardage was off the top of my head, but he touched the ball 50 times, uh, yeah. 47 carries, three catches. Oh, and he also played linebacker uh, for, for pretty much the entire game. Um, Merrimack gets its first ever win against Bedford uh, in that game, uh, which actually vaulted them up to the eighth seed, and, and that's what dropped Bedford to 10. Um, so right. really a, an interesting game. And, and again, Merrimack, a, a program, um, you know, Hyde graduated. Um, they lost four of their five offensive starters on the offensive line. Their big tight end, uh, Turley, he's also graduated. Their leading receiver from a year ago. Uh, so it sounds like they're going to be reliant a little bit more on the defense to start out the year, which is not what you think of when you think of Merrimack. Yeah, I mean, they've been they've been explosive on, on offense for, for years now. But, you know, honestly, their defense has always been pretty good. I mean, they're certainly well coached, right? I know Kip is, is very involved on the defensive side yeah. of the ball, Jackson, and Brandon Lilly is a is a well respected defensive coordinator in the state. Um, their defense really came on at the end of the year last year, and I know that there's a lot of kids coming back that got significant time on the D last year. So it is like you said, right? I mean, you're going to have to lean on the defense to be a little ahead of the offense this year if you're Merrimack, um, and and hopefully those guys are are really focused and ready to go, and it'll give the time for the offense needs to sort of catch up, right? If the defense can keep them in games, which I think. I think they can. I think they're good enough to do that. You can you can sort of make up for a lot of sins with a younger offense that's sort of coming along, right? I mean, it doesn't hurt that you've got Garen Brown coming back, who's who's one of the better athletes in that conference, probably. Right. Uh, but uh, but you know you got to build a cast around too, and 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 again, like you said, replace Romello Hyde, who I, I was good all yeah. year, but <laughs> was a stud in the playoffs. You know, I mean, just just 
just out of control in the playoffs. I don't know if you, yeah, I don't know if you can replace a guy like that. Uh, Correct. You just you hope that someone can uh, can maybe pick up some of his, maybe maybe replace him with like two or three guys. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I will say I, I did have a chance to talk to Kip uh, last week and he said something, um, you know, that kind of stood out to me was that, you know, every obviously high school sports every year, the team's personality is a little bit different. Um, you know, going into this one, he doesn't really know what that personality is going to be yet. But it was kind of the same last year that, that where they that the, the team that they were at the beginning of the year was certainly not the team that they ended with. So, you know, you, just because you start a certain way. Um, doesn't mean you you finish the same way. So, uh, and they've yeah. done that, they've done that a couple of times over the years where they they've gotten drastically better uh, as the season has kind of worn on. Right. Which which honestly, that's the sign of good coaching and good leadership. Right. Yeah. Right. And because you know, it's, it's anybody can roll out there with a great team. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying that that's it doesn't take a lot of work in the off season and stuff, but like. You know, when you're when things are going well and you're undefeated and so I mean, there's not you don't have a lot of problems, right? It's <laughs> it's 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 seeing that growth through the course of a season that's exciting. And there's a number of teams, Merrimack's one of them. There's a number of teams that we we've seen on those growth paths the last couple of years that I I mean, I just think I think it's great, right? It's again, that's when you know coaches are into it, the senior leaders and kids on the team are into it, and there's a story to be told through that season that's that's exciting. Well, uh, another team in the in the West Conference that uh, I'm really I, I'm excited to see what they do this year because of what it sounds like is going to be a group that that almost can look at at this year as the start of a two year plan almost, and that's that's Nashua South. Uh, you know, the Panthers. Uh, you know, they went two and seven the regular season, got that uh, that Week Ten win over Salem uh, to really kind of springboard them into the off season. And, uh, you know, they had uh, 19 seniors on their roster last year. This year, I think they maybe have six or seven. Uh, and, and from what Coach uh, Scott Knight was saying was that, uh, you know, of those, they're, you know, they're really going to be he- le- leaning heavily on the junior and sophomore classes. Um, that the, the seniors are, are this was a that was like a well, if you look if you look back on it, that was the class that was freshman in 2020. Um, you know, so a combination of factors just kind of, and there, I think there are a bunch of other programs in this boat as well, you know, that just that, that class, um, the senior class in some cases this year is just, the numbers aren't there. Right. Uh, but for South, you know, they're going to have a team that looks pretty similar going from this year and then into next year. Uh, so I, I think that's really exciting and, and I'm interested to see how, you know, that kind of shakes out starting this year. Yeah, South has been one of those teams where, you know, they they've they've looked really good on paper and they've they've played well at times, but they, you know, for whatever reason, we talked about this a little last year, right? They've sort of struggled to put it all together, um, and and, and I I couldn't tell you why, right? I mean, I don't, I think it's just you know they've hit teams at at when those teams are peaking at certain times. I think they've had a couple of key injuries, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems like one of those things. If they could, if they could just put it together at the right time against the right opponents, you know, in the right order, sort of thing, um, they could have a really good season this year. Right. I did. I did get to chat uh, with a couple of their juniors who uh, are looking to uh, 
to do big things this year. And really the message I kind of got from both them and, and Coach Knight a little bit was that, that their main their goal this year is to, you know, to prove that they're better than the team that maybe everybody thinks that they are. Uh, Kyle Emmons, uh, is a, who's a junior running back, linebacker for them, and uh, a lineman, uh, junior lineman on, on offense and defense uh, by the name of uh, Kevin Dubisi, uh, who I, I'm – believe and I, I pronounced that right they, this young man he uh before I even had to ask him he wrote out a pronunciation guide for me uh, <laughs> um you know for for his last name which I was very much appreciative of um but and, and a great you know both talking to both of them they both sound like you know uh great guys and and certainly the kind of leaders that uh that South needs uh, going into a, a year with a younger roster yeah uh, yeah, I, hard to believe we still got two more teams to go here in this West Conference. Um, I feel like we've been talking about it forever. How we're going to get to the other ones at some point, um, right? <laughs> uh, Gosstown, uh, another team in the West. Uh, really a rough year for for them and and, and Coach Nick Hammond. Uh, went uh, winless last year, zero uh, and ten. Uh, but really had a roster again, uh, much like South. Um, you know, they, their senior and junior class last year was kind of rough. I think uh, the roster I had, I counted up, they had 13 kids total who were gen- juniors and seniors a year ago. So once again, you know, they've got a couple seniors on the roster, but, you know, uh, mostly a team that is going to be junior and sophomore heavy uh, going into this year. Yeah, I, 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 I remember talking about Goffstown last year a number of times. I didn't have a chance to see them, which is kind of unusual. They're right in my backyard, so to speak. Well, it's it's going to be even tougher now because you know what they've got now. Yeah, they've got no, the lights and no the turf. More Saturday right? afternoon games, lights, I turf, know. the whole deal. I know. Congratulations yeah. to them on that, by the way. You know, and that alone, I know it sounds kind of kind of unusual, maybe a little weird, and there's probably people who wouldn't agree with me on this, but honestly, sometimes it just takes something like that to get the excitement turned around a little bit. You know, like. You know, you you uh, you got a great facility now with, you know, beautiful lights Friday night, all that good stuff. And it kind of can re-energize you a little bit after having a, a down year like they had last year. But like you said, I remember talking about it last year and, and you know, wondering kind of out loud, like, wow, I wonder, you know, that's that's so uncharacteristic of uh, of Goffstown, you know, to be to be down. And, and I remember you going through the numbers with me and saying, no, listen to the roster, right? They're just really young. And having the conversations around, you know, if if they can stick with it and have a good off season and learn from the lumps that were taken last year, a lot of times that will spring you. It'll accelerate you into growth, right? Because you took those lumps, you learned those lessons, and you did it with dignity, um, and and sort of hang in your head, right? Um, hopefully, they've taken that approach to the off season because I, you know, I just I, I think it's it's always a more exciting conference when Goffstown is strong. Sure. You know, and and it could be a you know uh, something that that like you said you mentioned that you know the the new stadium setup being uh, something that that gets them going too, you know a, a year like last year for a program that has had you know so much success for the better part of the last decade, um, you know it, it's it could be the kind of thing that you know you had kids maybe that were expecting to to maybe uh, be better than they were and now they've got maybe a bit of a chip on their shoulder they're a little you know. Uh, a little frustrated yeah. with with um, the fact that you know they took their lumps last year. So, um, 
you know, and that everybody's counting them out. Um, so that could yeah. be a, a nice motivator as well. Oh, I agree. Yeah, there's so many things positive that they could take out of that season last year, right? And, and, and you know, I hey, they're a well-coached football team too. And I'm sure that's what they've been talking about since, you know, December, January, right, is everything that they need to do to turn it around, right? So I, I actually kind of look forward to seeing them improve this year considerably. Well, the uh, the final team in the West is uh, admittedly a team that I seem to always have a blind spot for uh, year in and year out, and that's Keen. Uh, again, don't know too much about them. Um, you know, they uh, they opened the year last year, I think, with that game. Was it against Concord that they kind of was a bit of a slugfest there that Concord uh, narrowly won, and we kind of wondered – you know, is are both of these teams a little bit better than we thought they were going to be? And then Keen kind of went in the other direction from there on out. Um, yeah. Um, you know, just looking over the roster from a year ago, um, it does look like the Blackbirds have, you know, a, again, a, maybe a younger group, but um, certainly uh, some numbers uh, assuming these guys are returning. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything out of, out of Keen this summer either. Um, you know, and some of that's probably just geographic. Sure. Um, but you know, the one thing that I, I find interesting about Keen is that they are very much a, sort of a contrarian in terms of their, their philosophy and their schemes, right? I mean, they're really kind of a, you know, a, a double tight full house backfield, uh, you know, really physical kind of pound the ball, you know, knife fight in a phone booth type of team, <laughs> which, you know, the West conference is really not built that way. No, I don't really know, really you know, again, yeah. I don't know what BG is bringing um, schematically this year. Like you said, new head coach there. So it, it may look very similar, but it may be very different. But most of those teams major in, you know, sort of shotgun spread, um, you know, using their athletes in space and, and, and so forth. And, and uh, Keen is very different, right? So that can help you and it can hurt you, right? If you're not outfitted to play that kind of football, um, oh, as with any scheme, right? I mean, that can hurt you, but it can also help you because, you know, the defenses aren't used to seeing that, you know, having all that massive humanity come right at you and two tight ends. And, you know, I mean, it's so, it, it, I think that's one of the things that interests me about Keen is that they are sort of that contrarian team, not just geographically, but schematically as well in that conference. All right. So let's, uh, let's now move on to the uh, central conference. Uh, we'll start there with, uh, with Londonderry, which uh, of course won the conference uh, was the number one seed in the playoffs uh, reaching the final for for the second year in a row, and um, really, uh, if I'm, I'm trying to let me think real quick, I think that's what three of the last four years that, that the Lancers have been uh, in the finals, winning two of those. Um, you know, so they've uh, you know Coach Jimmy Lozon and and, and Londonderry have, have really finally gotten over that hump that you know it seemed it took them a, a little while to get to, and then now they're you know now it seems like they're just a, a well-oiled machine. Uh, you know, cranking out championship teams and, and championship players. And I guess we'll, that'll really be put to the test this year because they're, again, like uh, some other teams we talked about in the West, a team that, you know, lost a lot to graduation, didn't have, you know, the open spots in the lineup to get a lot of underclassmen in, um, you know. So they're looking at, at a lineup that maybe has only a handful of guys with varsity experience that would – you know, include guys like uh, like Jake Shenna, Seth Doyen, uh, Ty Miles, who's who's uh, recently committed to, to Holy Cross. Uh, you know, um, I think uh, a senior by the name of uh, Connor Williams has maybe the 
the leg up on that quarterback position. Um, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be an interesting year, I think, for the Lancers. Yeah, you know, Londonderry, my impression of them, just watching them over the last few years, uh, you know, obviously reading about them and stuff, I haven't seen them live. Too, I think I've only seen them live once over the last couple of few years, but cer- certainly seen a lot of film on them and stuff. Um, my impression, though, is that they've got a lot of numbers out and obviously they're well coached right i think i think coach lozon does a really good job over there i think that kind of goes without saying and so they've almost kind of graduated into that team where now you get to see you know i think the reason why this season will be interesting is is i think they've maybe graduated to that level of team where it's like you know you're like your plymouths and your um exeters and your and in some cases your pinkertons where they they do turn over a lot but they're always reloading with really good people, right? right? They, they, they have that class in waiting and those, those kids aren't, aren't, uh, you know, on the sidelines because they're not good. They're on the sidelines because the kid above them is just a little bit better. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that they've entered that phase of their program. At least that's kind of what I'm guessing. That's why I'm looking forward to seeing them this season because, I'm guessing that even though they did turn over a lot of really key players, that they're going to reload with a lot of, of kids who have just been chomping at it to get in there, and they're capable of going out and playing. Yeah, you know, I, there'll be a learning curve, but you know, I would agree with a lot of that too. I, I know there were a couple other guys that got experience, you know, when when guys were out with injuries last year. But yeah, I think you're, I think you're right about that. It's it's like not the guys guys weren't playing because they couldn't play. It was because you know they couldn't get ahead of the senior that was, you know, uh, in front of them on the depth chart. Right. Uh, right. Just a guy with a little bit more experience, maybe, you know, in a couple inches and a couple pounds and a little bit faster in the 40. And, you know, just, you weren't going to, you weren't going to beat him out. Right. You right. were probably a darn good backup, but now it's your time. And sometimes that explosion, you know, of, of like, Hey, now it's my turn and I, I'm just ready to go. Like that can really propel a team. And again, I think you've seen teams in New Hampshire that have that ability because of the health of the program to reload like that. So I'm, I'm curious to see whether it, it plays out the way I expect it to. Well, one of those teams that you mentioned is Pinkerton. Uh, they uh, finished second in the conference last year, uh, ended up falling in the semifinals to Londonderry after getting wins against uh, Spalding and then Bishop Girton in the first two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, you know, and looking over uh, the Astros roster from a year ago, I mean, they had a, a fair amount of seniors, um, you know, but the thing that stands out to me is that, you know, of the, let's say, 18 linemen that are on this roster, it may even be more than that. I can't count this high uh, that fast. So there's a lot of linemen listed on their roster, and only three of them were seniors. Yeah, they were really young up front. Yeah, so even though they lose uh, some talented guys like, you know, Jake Albert and Cole Yanako, um, you know, they've got probably the guys up front that can open up holes that that maybe uh, maybe even you or I could uh, pick up some yards through. <laughs> Let's not go too crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I forget the, and it's shame on me because I picked him as a player of the, of the week last year, but one of those linemen that's coming back, whose name escapes me now, of course, right now that I'm on the spot, but, um, that's always he, the he way was, it goes. I know he, I, 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 so I apologize to whoever you are, sir, <laughs> and your entire team, but 
uh, whoever that guy was, he was one of my favorite underclassmen offensive linemen last year. Um, I mean, you know, a lot of those guys make a name for themselves as seniors. You, you know, they've toiled away and you kind of recognize them. But um, I thought, honestly, I thought he was one of the best offensive linemen on their team last year. And he was young. He might have only been a sophomore, if I remember, but but maybe he was a junior. But and they've also got um, a, a couple of really talented sophomore skill position guys back that, are, you know, kind of. Uh, wing back running back type but also play defensive back that had made good plays like Morrison um, and some of those guys so I, I I I expect them to be pretty good too yeah Morrison will be an interesting one because I know he battled he battled an injury during uh, the lacrosse season missed a, a, a good chunk of time uh, with a, what I believe was a shoulder so that's that's a tough thing as a running back to to overcome um, yeah he's had a whole whole summer to, to work on that the the other guy that i would keep an eye on is uh you'll probably hear his name a lot is caden michaud uh, mm-hmm. absolutely senior, senior for them um you know he's um you know been a contributor the last couple of years and now obviously the opportunity is there to to really for him to step up um and take on more of that that load you know and then uh moving through uh the central conference um Trying to trying to remember what the order was here. I think uh, we'll go to Wyndham next. Um, you know the Jaguars. You know it had a had a rough couple of years there um, in Division One, and last year really you know came out of nowhere um, to those of us on the outside uh, to put together a six and two regular season record. Um, it could have been seven and one. They they lost their the opening game of the year to. Uh, Pinkerton in, in a game that they were they were driving late to take the lead in that one before you know a fumble ended up ending that game um, yeah that was that was week one in wind yeah, correctly yeah. right yeah um you know they uh dropped that uh you know host got to host a division one playoff game for the first time uh ended up falling to Bedford in that one uh you know and, and despite again a team that lost um you know some really talented seniors uh, you know, from from what I've heard from a few other accounts, is that um, they may be even better this year. Um, you know, a little bit more more balanced this year, I believe. Yeah, I think kind of similar to what you were saying um, earlier. You know, they've got some pieces back on the offensive line that I think again, right? Like I said earlier, you get a quarterback back, or you get some, you get three of your five offensive linemen back or something from, from a good campaign the previous year that puts you in really good position. They have Tiger Ann back. Yeah. Who, who honestly, I thought had a good season last year. Oh, absolutely. But I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah, right. Undisputably. Right. But I, you could honestly see now I've coached running backs for almost my whole career and I watched him play a little bit, saw some film and, and I could tell that he was one of those guys that, that still has upside potential. Right. So as good as he was last year, Remember looking at him and saying, "Yeah, but he still plays a little young." And and what I mean by that is, as a senior, he 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 could and should make that leap, right? Where now there's a ton of confidence. He's got a whole nother off season of weight room behind him. Um, so that's a player that I, I honestly think really could break out this year. Again, not that he didn't make his mark last year, but I just remember watching him play last year and saying, "He's a year away from really breaking out if he has a good off season." So. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how, you know, again, running behind some returning offensive linemen there as well. Um, you know, what type of performance he, he puts in because Wyndham's bringing back a core on both sides of the ball. Yeah. The, um, 
The other guy I would watch out for, um, you know, Matt Damaris uh, is a guy who last year um, I think was a little bit more defense-focused than offense, but playing kind of in the shadow of his, his older brother, uh, Brian. Uh, both of them uh, very good lacrosse players as well. Um, but, I, you know, he's got to be a guy that I would assume gets a shot, um, you know, at, at seeing more time offensively. Uh, you know, Billy DiPietro jumps in at quarterback. Um, or, or, excuse me, he's um, battling out with, with sophomore Kevin Murphy uh, for uh, that quarterback spot, uh, trying to replace um, Josh Sweeney uh, in, the, in the quarterback position. So should be uh, an interesting um, – See if interesting to see how that plays out because you know sometimes you know you, you go into that first couple of week or two and you don't really know you know you're maybe playing both guys and I don't know if both guys bring different skill sets but um, you know it's the kind of thing that that's always uh, a little exciting to watch unfold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the question will be: Do they, do, you know, are, are they built around the QB or are they built to be resilient with a with a new quarterback? Right. In other words, are, are they going to kind of build around the line and Tiger Ann and and sort of not have to be so reliant on the QB in the scheme this year. So it sort of makes up for that. You know, you can you can scheme around that. Well, another uh, another playoff team from the Central was uh, was Concord. We already kind of mentioned them a little bit, um, you know, coming out with a six and three uh, regular season record before they lost to Timberlane in the opening round. Uh, and again, another team that lost some very talented seniors. Uh, one guy that they do have coming back that was uh, really a workhorse for them a year ago was uh, running back uh, Eli Bahuma. Um, just, I think you mentioned him earlier, just came out of, you know, maybe not out of nowhere, but all of a sudden we're looking at him put up like consistent 200-yard rushing games. Um, and he was just a, a force uh, for the Crimson Tide all year last year. Yeah, one of my favorite players in Division One. honestly. Um, I, how could he not be? Um, I've heard some interesting things out of preseason camp. You know, I talked to a lot of coaches, a lot of seven on sevens have been going on and a couple of coaches I was talking to have seen Concord in seven on seven and said that he's just unbelievable, right? He makes these plays in seven on seven, you know, on defense, just, you know, leaping up and doing this and doing that. So, you know, he's not just sort of that, that bowling ball tailback either. He's, he's really a great athlete. Um, and I, and I think, you know, I, I think they're going to need him this year because Concord, I think lost one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the state yet last sure. year in Boward, right? I mean, yeah. he was, he was pretty good. He, he was physical uh, in terms of like, he had good size and yeah, Concord was definitely a run first team. And I think they were right to be that, to be, to build around that, but they had the opportunity to beat you in play action with Doward really well. Um, so it would be interesting to see what, um, uh, what coach Corkum comes up with in terms of their quarterback this year, right? We were just talking about Wyndham and having a little bit of a battle there. It'll be interesting to see how they replace Zach, but they certainly have a running game to build around. And, and I think a pretty good core on defense as well. Yeah. He was uh, a guy that, um, you know, in a pass first offense, maybe put up some crazy numbers. Um, Cause you're right. He certainly had the size, had the arm, but they just didn't need it as much as, uh, as maybe some other teams did. Right. Yeah. No, I, th I think he played the role perfectly, quite honestly. Um, but now they have to backfill a, a kid that could, you know, maybe did throw 25 times a game, but but could. Right. Yeah. Right. And everybody knew that. Right. So you, you had to sort of you had to sort of play them honest. And, and so that'll be 
uh, a challenge for Concord this year is, you know, can they keep the, you know, can they keep a player or two extra out of the box by finding another quarterback and making sure that that, that deadly play action game is, is there again to sort of keep people from loading up on Eli and the rest of the offensive line that they have. Yeah. You know, a uh, team that we were kind of, uh, it sounds, you know, from talking about last year was maybe in the, in the spot that a lot of these teams are this year being light on seniors or, or light on experience is, is Salem. Um, you know, that had been a, a program that uh, we were used to seeing in the playoffs pretty much year in and year out for the last, you know, 10 years or so, the better part of the last decade, I would say, um, you know, had a, a struggle with injuries last year and, and some, uh, like I said, some experience, um, you know, so they took a, a step back. Uh, but certainly they do, you know, I think they were developing some younger guys. You've got a guy like uh, Daniel Hughes kind of stepping in at that running back linebacker position for them that they just always seem to have somebody, um, you know, who's able to fill that role. Um, it's just, I guess, a matter of, of how many other guys are going to step up, uh, be able to step up around him. Yeah, I my impression of Salem was that, yes, they lost some key senior players, but I think their struggles last year were just because they, you know, largely because they were a young team. Right. You could tell at times and you and I saw them live once and I, I saw them. Well, you saw them live more than once. I saw you, but you and I sure. were together. Yeah. We saw them yeah. over at Pinkerton. We're able to talk about them a little bit. And really what it came down to was they, they were just young. You know, they yeah. made young execution mistakes. They made um, a, a couple of, um, you know, key turnover type mistakes, And it was it was youth, really. But but they were really naturally athletic on both sides of the ball. Again, they made mistakes and, and youth mistakes. I'm not talking about lazy mistakes and things like that. So I think it's, I think Salem's kind of exciting because they had some really, really good young athletes that, that just, you know, kind of going back to the conversation we had about Goffstown earlier, they just sort of took their lumps a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I'd forgotten a little bit about that Pinkerton game, but now that you mentioned that that was a game where they had some opportunities early to, you know, yes. either get in front or keep the game close and just couldn't, I think they turned it over, you know, inside the, you know, the, their own, or I think the, for a little bit, it was inside the red zone. And then when quarter changed and the field flipped, it was inside their own 20. Yeah. Uh, they turned it over times, inside yeah. their own 20 a couple times. And yeah. it was like, Oh, you know, they just kind of got something going. And, yeah. and then, like you said, they turned it over in the red zone, but you know, that, that was the sort of season that they had. And I don't think it was because they were cavalier about it and so it was just it's just young guys making young guy mistakes because they were they were obviously talented athletically um and so you know now you got to see are they ready to take that next step in terms of maturity and leadership next up a team that uh i feel like we've talked about at times is is on the cusp of taking the next step and it just that step never fully forms um you know and that's manchester central uh coming off a three win season last year um you know a couple of uh upperclassmen coming back for them in some key spots uh you know jamin jones probably being the the key for them you know running back and then uh on defense um you know but but that's a program that that you know even in the years when they are a little bit down like last year they're still i would imagine a team that no one wants to face yeah i i I got to see them play quite a bit last year just uh, I never saw them live, but I, I, I got to see them a lot on the different various streaming 
uh, platforms that are out there. And uh, I, I think I saw them maybe three times. I, I thought they were pretty good, <laughs> you know, and, and so it was, you know, but they just couldn't put it together. Right. Uh, yeah. But there were there were a, there was a lot of good that I saw um, out of Manchester Central last year. And so I, I don't I don't have a really clear view on exactly what they have coming back. I know they had a senior running back who I really liked. And again, his, his name escapes me now. But um, so he, he he's obviously not on the team anymore. Um, but they had a, they had a pretty good group of, of players, you know, core guys that, that I think are coming back. And, you know, again, right, like the last couple of years, they've had that type of team where you said it best. I, you know, they may be down a little bit, but nobody wants to play them because they do have that ability to kind of reach up and bite you. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I would love to see them kind of put it together a little bit. Um and, and just get some consistency out of it, right? Because it, it feels like they're capable of beating just about anybody at times. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and that's a great feeling, but it's also, I'm sure, a frustrating feeling, right? When you say, <laughs> oh, you know, we were that close, or, oh, man, if just those two things had gone another way. And that, that seemed to be, to me, the type of year that they had last year. It wasn't, you know, a, a down-and-out three-win season. It was, a, hey, if a couple other things had gone our way, we might have put together another two or three wins type of season yeah then the uh the final team in the central conference uh alvern broncos uh got a win to end the season last year against goffstown um you know and this is a, a group you know they've got a new head coach uh in matt lee uh his first year coaching in new hampshire uh you know and, and then it looks like they've got a pretty decent amount of guys returning on uh, on both sides of the ball uh, which is is encouraging, um, you know. After a season in which they again another team that that was maybe on a little on the younger side or inexperienced side that took its lumps, and you know the thing that um, you know I, I, as I've mentioned a couple times, I know we've mentioned in the past. I've noticed looking at some of these the names on this this roster returning, I, I recognize a couple of them, you know, as as multi sport athletes. So that's always a a good thing to see that you know they're getting maybe the numbers are going up thanks to having some guys, you know try something uh other than maybe their their primary sports yeah that's that's always been kind of a i, I think you know alvern went down and uh, to division two a few years ago and really used that opportunity to sort of build themselves up but i i, I think that when they returned to division one it's like they just didn't have the depth of roster yeah to compete and and um so the what you pointed out is really critical to them, right? If they can get these multi-sport athletes to contribute, and that doesn't necessarily mean got to be like the starting tailback or the middle linebacker or something, but people who can step up and you know make a difference on special teams even, or or be the person that rotates in at wide receiver or something, I, it, those little things when when the guy the the multi-sport athletes come out and say, hey, I'm going to try football this year, that can be the difference between one and nine. You know, and 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 having three or four more wins, it, it, honestly, like really, sometimes having those guys come out can make that type of difference. So, um, so yeah, it's interesting. And like you said, they've got more than half of their offense and their defense coming back from last year. So it could be a very different look for Alvern this year, especially having a new head coach and you know bringing a different energy to it. But like like you talked about early on, there's there is no conference in this division that uh, that looks I. I not even no. close to easy like it, it, it's a you know every day every week it looks like a you know a potential for a, for a rough game yeah there's nowhere to hide 
Sure. And, and I, you, yeah, I like there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Right. I mean, hey, you got to you got to step up and bring it every week. Yeah. But but, you know, again, if you're trying to rebuild. Yeah, there's nowhere to hide. All right. And finally, we'll uh, we'll move over to the East Conference, uh, the, the mostly Seacoast Conference. And uh, I guess we'll start there with the team that, that won the conference last year. That's Exeter. Uh, went six and three uh, in the regular season, lost to Timberlane uh, in the quarterfinals in in one of the the better games I think of not just the postseason but of the year. If I'm remembering correctly, Timberlane came back uh, from two touchdowns down in the fourth quarter and then went for two with uh, if there was no time left or maybe a second left um, to to win twenty nine twenty eight in that one. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, Exeter is like you mentioned earlier, is a, lot, a program a lot like your Plymouth and Pinkertons and and now Londonderries would say. They just, you know, the 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 names and the numbers all change, um, but the results are pretty much always the same. Um, you know, they lose a, a big senior class from a year ago, but I I'd be willing to bet they've got uh, quite a few seniors who are more than or, and and juniors too who are more than capable of stepping in and, and filling those holes. Yeah. I mean, they always have large numbers, which also doesn't hurt. Right. And we were talking about that with Londonderry and, and expecting them to reload, uh, even though they lost a lot of key players, Exeter, same thing. They have, they have a ton of participation, which means, you know, as we, we know coach ball is doing it right over there. Um, but they also have consistency of philosophy. Right. So they've they have been in that offense and defensive scheme, their base. Right. I'm sure it's adapted and adjusted a little bit here and there. And they've added things and taken things out. But they've been in that scheme since I coached against them when I was at Merrimack in 2002. Same schemes. Right. I so just, I think that scheme has it been since the Big Bang that that scheme. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, perhaps. But but my point being, though, that, that, that you know, like it's a, it's like a machine they all buy in with the coaches all know it they know everything that's ever happened to try to stop that right that whether it's the straight t or what they do on defense they've seen it all they know how to adjust to it the kids are confident in it so you can just kind of roll through and like we were saying about keen earlier it's contrarian to um a lot of what you might see otherwise in that conference now maybe less so in the east because spalding has sort of a, a run first um, you know, heavy type personnel offense and um, Winniconnet sure. is uh, a little bit more run oriented with under center type stuff. So it's not quite as imposing maybe as, uh, as, as Keen's contrarian style, but still, right. That's a really hard thing to, to contend with if you don't understand it well. Um, well, two, two guys that uh, I think will be taken over the, uh, or it seems will be taken over the, the mantle as, as uh, the, the, workhorses for the Exeter offense I would think uh, Jack Cavanaugh uh, a junior and then Sean DeLello um, a senior uh, probably going to be guys that are going both ways for um, the Blue Hawks and then they've also got uh, Evan DeLore I believe returning uh, as well got a, a little bit of time at running back last year uh, and then up front Isaac Beam is a guy that um, you know is going to lead that offensive line yeah, you don't think it was, uh, you know, the, on the eighth day they created uh, the Exeter Exeter's uh, offense? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. <laughs> I think, I, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 obviously an older scheme, but you know what? <laughs> I, 
Oh, I, I wasn't commenting on the AI. I just meant that they've been doing it for so long. It feels like it's, you know, it's uh, it's just, you know, death. Uh, what is it? Death and taxes and uh, right. And, and Exeter Exeter's offense. It's part of what makes it so effective, yeah. though, yeah. is that, like I said, you 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 stick with something like that. You've seen everything. You know exactly what people are trying to do to to counteract what you do. So nothing surprises you. You you stay calm. You make the adjustments. The kids all know because you're able to coach it up. And I think it's part of what makes them effective is that they're just so good at that. Yeah, they, it's it's the kind of thing when they you know when they fumble the ball or they have a false start or something. We we look at each other on the sidelines and go, Oh my! Can you believe that just happened? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like what is that? That's very uncharacteristic. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, no, we're human too. We're not a bunch of robots. <laughs> uh, you know, and then the, the team uh, that beat Exeter in the playoffs, Timberlane, uh, was uh, second in the conference last year. Uh, a nine-win season for the Owls. Um, you know, coming off of a uh, a return to Division One after getting the D two championship the year before, um, they did end up falling to Bedford uh, in the semifinals a year ago, um, and they are another team that took a, a pretty good hit. Uh, to graduation, um, you know, the big loss being at quarterback with Dom Capetta uh, graduating. But the guy that they've got stepping in, uh, Gary Schivel, uh just so happened to have started uh, that championship game two years ago in replacing right. an injured Capetta. So, um, you know, they're, they've got a guy coming in with, with plenty of experience uh, in big games, not just in, in football, but also in lacrosse. He's a, a recent commit. Uh, although I'm drawing a blank on where he's going, I apologize about that. Uh, but then another guy that they've they can lean on a little bit, running back, uh, and then defensive back Eddie DiGiulio, uh also returns uh, for the Owls. Yeah, and he kind of came out of nowhere last year, right? They they had had a couple of guys that were um, sort of mainstays at running back there, and I forget the guy's name, but one of them got hurt. Was it? I can't remember his name. Was it post? I'm not even sure he suited up last year. I mean, I I don't remember hearing much about him last year, but yeah, um, yeah, he was a guy that that um, you know, had missed some time and um, yeah, but they yeah, and they, they, they threw the ball quite a bit last year too, more more than they did. usual. Uh, they, and they did, and they relied on Capetta to do some stuff with his legs too. Yeah, and and DeGiulio stepped in. And, and again, like kind of came out of nowhere, you know, he, he had a couple of really good games. I was like, well, I'm going to have to look at, look at this guy a little bit. Saw them, uh, you know, saw them on film a number of times streaming and stuff. So, you know, you've got enough there to build around. I, I mean, they, they did lose a bunch, um, but they've done a good job rebuilding that program since returning to D one. Um, and you know, I, I, I think this will be an important year for them. You know, can they maintain the competitiveness or, you know, are they going to struggle? And they've got an interesting crossover game this year, I, I think, against Sauhegan. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, that's kind of interesting because Sauhegan, I mean, we're not talking Division Two right now, but probably going to be pretty good. In a, in a game that uh, that won't count in the standings either, uh, despite right. them being New Hampshire schools. Um, yeah, they're not the only one, too. I believe Milford and North also have a, uh, a game scheduled for, for later in the regular season. Oh, that'll be cool, too. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they, they, they've definitely never played each other oh no they they did they played uh can we, do we have a minute to go down uh memory lane here they played sure. uh at i remember this because i was at the game they played at stello stadium uh back in i want to say 2011 
Did they really? Maybe it was, 20, maybe it was 2012. Uh, and I remember this because it was when uh, Morgan Andrews was at Milford and she was uh, handling the kickoffs and field goals for, or I'm sorry, she was handling field goals and extra points for the Spartans. Uh, and I want to say she kicked a couple in the in that game. And I remember somebody asking me in the press box, yeah, I wonder why they don't let her do the kickoffs. And I, I said, I mean, she was probably the, one of the best soccer players the state's ever seen. She was a Gatorade National Athlete of the Year as right. a senior. Um, and I, I said, I said, do you really want her to make a tackle on a kickoff return? <laughs> right. right. Really? No, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, so they have they have played. I believe Milford won that game too, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. Okay. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I did not back, know that. Going back a ways, yeah. Um, well, so the next team out of the out of the East I want to mention um, is uh, is a team that's been feels like it's been on the rise the last couple of years. Uh, and if nothing else, their numbers are certainly on the rise this year. That's Portsmouth Oyster River. Uh, you know, they got into the playoffs this past year after coming close the year before. Uh, lost at Merrimack in a really kind of a slugfest type of game, um, you know, another, a close game as well. Uh, but from yep. what I've I've heard from from Coach Pafford um, out there is that th- they're well over a hundred in terms of numbers. Um, wow. Their numbers are so high; they haven't been this high since the mid '70s, when you had, you know, a lot of Portsmouth was made up of people who worked on an Air Force base and in the Naval Shipyard. Yeah, you so, had you had Pease Air Force Base right. out there. So the population was a lot higher. Well, now they're up. They're up over. I want to say 110, 115 kids uh, in their program, um, and just, I, I mean, that's remarkable considering that it ha- wasn't that long ago that they co-opted with Oyster River because they weren't sure if they were going to have enough kids. Right. And I'm going to tell you, and I, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't sell out who said this to me, but. Uh, <laughs> I've heard from a couple of Division One coaches. You know, you know, their fate. They they have Portsmouth on their schedule this year, and I've said, "Oh, what do you know about?" I said, "Yeah, they're going to be good." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the so so the word around Division One is Portsmouth is is definitely a team to be looked out for. Um, you know, I I watched them. I think with you live on the sidelines in that that Merrimack game last year. Right. And, like you said, it was a slugfest. I mean, Merrimack was able to put some things together in the second half and kind of pull away. And I do think Merrimack was the better team, but there were some, there were some, uh, they had some boys on that team. That, and and I think some of those guys are back this year. I don't know a yeah. ton about their roster. Uh, but... Matt, Max Durkin is the guy to watch uh, on both lines. Um, just a, a an enormous uh, young man. Uh, talked to him a couple weeks ago. Um, and, uh, and he towered over me. I mean, that's not a lot of people tower over me, but he <laughs> towered over me. Yeah. Um, just a, a, a guy who looks like he's put in a ton of work. Um, another guy to keep an eye on Angus Moss, who's kind of a running back receiver for them on offense also plays corner. And then, uh, Aiden Thomas at quarterback. Um, you know, he was in there uh, a bit last year as well. Um, I believe he might've gotten hurt in that game against Merrimack, that playoff game. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. He went out. He went uh, out early. So he's a guy that's that's back with experience, and and another guy that I'm kind of intrigued by for them because again, uh, talking uh, talking lacrosse as well is uh, is Nick Smith, who uh, who played uh, I want to say in the secondary for them last year and also a little bit uh, at receiver. Um, you know, a, a tremendous athlete uh, in lacrosse. He's there the Portsmouth faceoff guy. 
um, am- amongst other things. I mean, he does plenty of other things for, for them, but um, just a tremendous athlete. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does, um, you know, as a senior in, in, in football as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, between what you just reported in terms of the numbers, which I, I did not know, I had no appreciation for the fact that they were hovering <laughs> hundred somewhere. That's, that's crazy. Um, and, and knowing what, you know, based on what I saw of them last year and what they've got back, um, could be a team to watch out for in that conference for sure. Absolutely. Uh, two other teams actually made the playoffs. I feel like the, the two teams that were coming up next are kind of, uh, at times last year, they were very similar to each other in terms of, you know, their records and their resumes, um, you know, but both were playoff teams a year ago. I think just being able to say that is a huge thing moving forward. Uh, we'll start with Dover, who was uh, the 12 seed, uh, lost on the road to BG last year in the opening round. Uh, and, and what really stood out to me in that game was that, you know, it, at times, especially in that first half, it felt like BG was in complete control of that game. And then the next thing you know, uh, Ryder Aubin, their, their quarter, the Dover quarterback, was making a play um, that you know maybe wasn't going to change the outcome of the game. Uh, obviously, didn't change the outcome of the game, but you know made things interesting and really put that team on his back at the end of the year last year. Uh, and, and I'm I'm excited to see what he does as a senior. And then they've got a you know one of the better um, I think tight ends a linebackers coming back in the state and Bryce Carberry uh, who's also poised for a big year yeah and they're going to be well coached because sure. coach Kumba you know formerly of St. Thomas took over Dover is this his third year oh he's it might even be more than that he's been there for really? a couple of years yeah I can't remember oh, okay yeah so you know so now there's some consistency there in terms of the, the, the system that he's put in both in the off season and then what he's putting on the field. Um, but he, he was always a really well-respected coach when he was at St. Thomas. Um, fifth, fifth season for him. Really? Has it been that long? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. Sorry about that coach. Um, <laughs> I thought for some reason I thought it was, I thought it was only two or three years, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, again, Aubin coming back, big piece right there especially given the type of offense that they run um you know question will be how do they how do they play week to week in that conference right with Portsmouth on the rise I know there's another team you're probably about to mention that is on the rise Timberlane you know there, there, there's nowhere to hide there um so it'll be a nice uh it'll be nice to see them take another step forward this year hopefully yeah the uh the team I'm going to mention next Spalding also a playoff that was team. it yeah they were uh <laughs> The 13th seed in the playoffs last year uh, lost to Pinkerton in the opening round, um, and, and you know the key for them is the guys. The number of guys they got returning again. Another team that has, you know, more than half um, their offense and their defense coming back. Caden Melendez is a senior quarterback returning. Um, that's going to be huge. Just again, as we talked about with other teams, just that um, that experience in such an important position. Yep, and they've got a couple other guys that I really like there that are coming back. Um, I, I saw them a few times last year. Again, thank God for all the streaming stuff that you can see. <laughs> it's Hunter Truman, right? yeah, Hunter Crawford, both really good players, running backs for them, um, people that impressed me at various times through the season. Um, but, they, yeah, they've got a lot coming back. And they were one of those teams that basically last year, I would say, beat the teams they were quote-unquote supposed to beat. 
and and that's that's the sign of a team that's kind of pointed in the right direction right that when you get the wins over the teams where like you, you look on paper and you start to look at how teams have performed against like opponents and things and you say oh well spalding should beat so and so and they go out and they take care of that business and you know they don't let that one slip away that they again quote unquote should have won um whatever that means but I, I that was why I, I really thought that they were a lot of fun to watch last year because they, they really had been down for a number of years and there's a proud history there, but they did take that, what I consider that sort of first step towards getting healthy again, which is you beat the teams that on paper, quote unquote, you should have beat. Um, and with this many returning people and key people coming back um, again, right. There's nowhere to hide in this conference. There, there's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to really look at this and say, well, you should have beat because I think there's a lot of good teams here, but they might be poised to make the next step forward, especially with this core of kids coming back. Well, also in the East is, uh, is Winnicunit, uh, a team that, um, you know, w- was in the championship game two years ago. Um, we thought last year that they were going to be, uh, you know, a team that was in playoff contention and just early in the year had some, tough luck losses that um you know just kind of put them behind to start the season and never really fully recovered and unfortunately they graduated a lot of the kids from a year ago uh just five returners total on both uh, total both sides of the ball um, right you know but some of those key guys that are back or, or some of the guys that are back are in key positions starting with with riley mcdaniel uh the junior quarterback uh jake magri uh tight end defensive end also a, a key piece for them as a senior and then two skill guys, uh, sincere Bailey and, and Jack Struther, um, you know, just, um, you know, two athletes out there that, that, um, can do some, some important things, uh, for the warriors. If they're going to have, uh, you know, probably be a, the kind of season where they, they, you know, have to build as the season goes on. Yeah. You know, uh, we've seen when it kind of go through those cycles the last five or six years where they've been, massively successful right they had a state championship was it four years ago uh i think it's been a little it's a little bit longer than 2017 yeah. maybe there you go see i'm all messed up with my time it's, co- I thought... it's the covid timeline it, it 10 yeah, years was right. actually two and five was actually 15 yeah something right like that. so we've seen them kind of go through that wave of of up and down but you know again when a is one of those teams where even if even when they're three and seven they're you know you never look at them as being out or, or they're just getting rolled up or it just quote unquote, wasn't a great season. Right. I mean, they're, I think the thing that's nice about Winnicott is that they're always competitive. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a little bit of a rebuilding year, but they do have a couple of key people, especially the quarterback, the type of offense that they run, um, you know, requires that quarterback to make some decisions at times in the run game and stuff is it's, it's, it's hard to get rolling when you're training that up. Um, like I think they were last year, but to have that experience coming back should should be at least something to build around to take another step this year. And uh, and finally, the uh, the last team uh, in uh, Division One uh, that we're going to get to tonight, Manchester Memorial. Um, you know they are again another team that that record wise, um, you know, looked like they were a little down this year, but I think just. You know, a, a similar situation maybe to win and cut it. Some games were closer, or, or Manchester Central too. Games, close games, or things just happen in games that kind of snowball on them. Uh, but again, the big thing for them, uh, Connor McFarland, the quarterback, coming back this year. Um, you know, and, and potentially um, 
think some changes saw that. I think Roger Brown had that on his uh, the NH Football Report that um, they might make some changes there uh, with their offense to to kind of uh, fit what um, what he brings to the table. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, and and I, I I mean this sincerely. I did see them a number of times last year. Again, thank you streaming. I really thought that they were better than their record showed last year. I remember saying at, at, the, at the sort of the beginning of the season last year, talking to you and saying, I, I think that they're getting better and I think that they're going to be able to do some things this season. And like you said, a couple of things just didn't fall their way. And I do think they had some key injuries in their backfield at, at the mid to end of the season, if I remember correctly, that, that sort of hurt them because they, they did have some talent back there. Um, but Memorial was one of those teams that I, I, I it was very similar to Central, like you said. I think they were better than their record indicated. And hopefully they can build off of that because I know it's been a long time that they haven't been as competitive as they would like to be. Uh, and, and it felt really good watching them last year because there was just something different about them last year. Uh, they were competitive. They seemed to go into every game believing that they could win, whereas that might not have been the case in years past. Um, and so that in itself is a good step forward, and, and I'd, I'd love to see them continue to get good. Well, like uh, it's week one, uh, or actually it's not even really week one. It's like week negative two. Uh, right. Or neg- week zero is, I think, what other states might call it. Um, and we've already set, I think, uh, a record uh, here. I guess it's got to be the longest podcast we've ever done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've drank two glasses of water just trying to keep my vocal cords lubricated. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you uh, stuck with us uh, through the whole thing, and uh, you know, and 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 you know, got a hopefully a better, little bit of a better grasp of of what Division One football is going to look like this year. Really excited. I mean, like you said, we're going through this, and and I feel like you know there aren't many teams that we look at and say, well, you know, this team just has no shot. Uh, no, there's know, positives that you can take yeah. out of every roster. Absolutely. And that's honestly like there's positives on every one of these rosters. Yeah, absolutely. And with the and with the format that they used last year, anything's possible. Yeah, it, absolutely. Anything's possible. Uh, looking forward to see what happens. One thing we didn't even mention, uh, of course, Friday is the Queen City uh, Jamboree. Uh, four o'clock start over there. Um, usually one of the really the it feels like the kickoff to. Uh, not just the football season, but the f- entire school year, uh, athlete, uh, athletics-wise. So really looking forward to that. Head over there for a little bit on Friday, and then uh, next week we'll uh, we'll dive into uh, Division two and three, uh, maybe at a little faster pace than we did tonight. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> we'll uh, see. yeah, and then talk about <laughs> some big games coming up in week one. Um, I don't know, and Mike. Any other final thoughts before we uh, sign off for the night? No, I don't think so. You know, I, I think, yeah, the, the 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 podcast was a little longer than usual. But again, it's because when when we looked at this together, it was there's really no team you can sort of brush over. Um, and I think that's a good sign. I think I think that's the sign of hopefully another really exciting season in Division one in New Hampshire. Um, I, I think it's going to be very competitive and, and uh, very entertaining. All right. Well. Hopefully you uh, you'll rejoin us next week when we uh, when we return. And uh, Mike, it's been uh, it was a good start, and I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna probably need uh, at least a week to recover from this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, he is uh, he's Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.